0: Bob, I'm here with Bill. This is Bill and Bob's bracket busting bonanza. How we doing, Bill? Pretty
1: good. 2022 version. It's been uh, a solid year since we've been uh, at the mics, and uh, I don't know about you, but I am uh, raring for some NCAA tournament action.
0: And this tournament, uh, I, in, at least in my opinion, it is not as top-heavy as last year. It seems like any one of these teams could win so many of these games. And last year, we kind of said it from the beginning, it was Zags and Baylor, and then it was everybody else. Whereas this year, I feel like even though the Zags are up there... And so, I mean, they're both
1: one-seeds again this year, the,
0: too, yeah. Yes, but I feel like so many of these teams, the fives, the six, the fours, the twos, the three, there's so many good teams out here that I feel like could really just go all the way.
1: I completely agree. I think even more so, like winning each region. I, I, my, my buddy and I were checking out, uh, this is before they even released the brackets, and he just sent me a list of like 20 something teams and was like, Name me one of these teams. And they were from big conferences and a uh, uh, sprinkling of small conferences. Name me one of these teams that couldn't make the final four. It's like, I don't have, every single one of them could depending upon the matchup and and who they get and the thing this year like you said like you know it ended up being Gonzaga and Baylor we picked Gonzaga Baylor ended up winning that game but I think um, it it was going to be very hard for a team to pull off an upset against Gonzaga or against Baylor as both of them kind of proved UCLA came close toward that at the end but generally speaking it was going to be very difficult for either of those two teams to um, to get beat last year now this year well, I still think you know. I, I we'll get into it, the whole thing in a little bit. But I think the the one seeds. I think we're going to see at least one number one seed that doesn't make it to the um, round of 32 this year, because I think you got a really strong crop of um, eight nine seeds this year. And frankly, like I wouldn't be surprised if only two one seeds made it to the Sweet 16. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, the first one was for the Sweet 16. If two made it to the Elite Eight, or if only we only saw one of these teams in the uh, Final Four, as you'll see by my picks eventually.
0: Yes, uh, and actually, what I'll do is uh, this is something that I throw out to my friends when they're filling out um, Final Four, uh, just strictly the Final Fours, in uh, a at a Staten Island pool that's long withstanding the former Jody's pool. Mm-hmm. The stat that is actually out there as far as the national champion is that other than the 2013-14 Yukon um, squad, since 2002, the, the, the national champion has had an adjusted offensive defense from Ken Palm in the top 25 on both sides. Now, I'll rattle off the teams who actually fit that mold this year, uh, as far as national champions at least. We have Gonzaga, mm-hmm. uh, Arizona, Houston, Baylor UCLA and that is it there's a few that come close like Kentucky is right on the cusp as far as adjusted defense but they're not um, but they're not in the top 25 of Ken Palm so there's only a few teams that technically like I said it's this has been every year since 2002 that it it's there's only one team that's bucked that trend which is very interesting
1: yeah another interesting thing with the ken Palm rankings is the importance of actually being good in both or at least not being really bad in one and really good in the other because there are extreme teams and there's been one or two who who here and there have made it but the general um idea is i think there's been three teams in the last like 10 or 12 years and i can't name them off the top of my head but there's been three teams in the last um 10 plus years who have been top 10 in one of the two whether it's adjusted offense Mm -hmm. or adjusted defense and over top over 50 in the other which you see a few of those teams this year purdue strikes me as as one like definitely and um same with iowa uh and coincidentally both offense heavy and then really bad on the defensive end but only three teams with a um with a picture like that have actually made it to the final four so that's another thing to, to take into mind. And I don't think any of those teams were the offense-heavy teams. I think they were all teams that had really good defenses and were right around the number 50. Because once you get to 100, I think there's only one team that made the Final Four like that.
0: Yeah, the Final Four one, actually, the statistic that I saw was it's it's not the actual ranking. It's got to fit a certain um, like number. So like the adjusted... Uh, like the top adjusted offense is at 121 and in order to make the final four they're saying you the the statistic is that your adjusted offense needs to be over 114 and there's a variety of teams that fit that mold and then they don't necessarily fit the defensive mold of being less um, you know less than the Ken Palm number of I think it's 96 yeah. but yeah you're right uh, like certainly it's a way to identify um, teams that could go out early and you're right Purdue that mold last year they went out early and purdue fits that mold again this year so yeah
1: it's actually pretty interesting if we didn't really get a chance to go through the conferences in earlier weeks because we were both away but just quickly like the the big 10 yeah, you normally think of as a slow it down defensive conference and it's like it's the opposite this this year you know you've got like teams that are very offense heavy but not good on the defensive end
0: at all oh you're yeah, you're 100 percent right. Um, the, it's a, a little bit different this year, where there are a lot of good offensive teams, and like we've done last year, you have to wonder: Are they? Did they play so well against each other, and then they go into the tournament and it all start flaming out? It's it's really uh, something to keep an eye on because that's what happens. That's what happened last year. So, yeah. Um, all right, Bill. Um, this is the West Region uh we're gonna get right into it this is the top left-hand quadrant for those of you who are staring at your actual brackets on the paper number one overall seed gonzaga they're going against georgia state
1: yeah so obviously i think um we're not going to see the second ever 16 seed win uh a tournament game this year uh i don't think that gonzaga is going to have any problems in this first round matchup but um but once we get to the second round, that's when things start to get a little bit interesting. I really do like Gonzaga a lot this year. We'll, we'll be doing a lot of talking about Gonzaga, but they remind me of, um, the Butler team that made it to the finals and Gordon Haywood missed the shot at the very end against Duke. The next year there was a Butler team that still had Matt Howard, who was a, a very good player, the center for them who had won the conference of the year beforehand, before Hayward even got there. And, um, And that team made a run, went to the Final Four. I think you might see a little bit of uh, something like that this year with Gonzaga. Now they're number one overall. But I think... I think it would be hard to argue that this year's Gonzaga team would beat last year's Gonzaga team, based on guard play alone and what they've lost. But what they've gained inside and the way that they play this year, and the the way that the field is different this year, and they don't and Baylor is not as strong as Baylor was last year, and the other teams they're playing aren't quite as strong. I think Gonzaga has um, a, a like a, a just as good a shot this year as they did last year. I'll probably end up picking them to win it all this year. Um, as far as the region goes, I think Gonzaga has by far the easiest run of any number one seed. Um, you know, not to say they don't have a couple tough games that they that they will maybe need to squeak out. Um but looking at each region, um I, I just think Gonzaga in the West region has the easiest path to the final four of any of the number ones. Uh see
0: I'm a little bit on the other, uh, on the opposite side. I think each matchup that they could potentially encounter, there's so many teams who actually have the ability to. I, I don't know if they would necessarily beat Gonzaga, but I think they could challenge them. Um, and what's interesting is they have three losses on the season. They have Alabama, who's this actually the sixth seed in this bracket? Duke, who's the number two seed in this bracket, and then St. Mary's, who's the five seed in the quadrant below them or the bracket below them in the East region who would potentially meet them in the final four of St. Mary's and went on a run. So it's really interesting that the three team, their three losses are actually all on their side of the bracket, two of them in their region specifically. Um, the Zags, the, the thing to me with the Zags is actually their depth. Um, you said it kind of with the guard play. They have a couple of freshmen who come off the bench um, who can do some different things, but they just don't seem to have the guards, Play that they had last year, that kind of made them as dominant as they were. They do a little bit think they do things a little bit differently with Holmgren and Timmy side by side. They have a really nice front front line, um, and Strother, who's a six seven guard, they have presents a lot of matchup problems in and of itself. But I I don't know. I I think they're I think they're just as flawed as any other number one. Um, And then to kind of lead into the eight nine game, you have a team like Boise. Um, a very good defensive team. Uh, they could go through offensive droughts. Um, and then you have Memphis, who kind of came on late, um, and they have a force inside them themselves in, in Jalen Duran. So I think either one of those teams kind of present their own sort of m- Issues that maybe Gonzaga can't handle for forty minutes.
1: Uh, we'll see. the The Memphis thing is the big one. I mean, you say they came on late. That's that's underselling it by a lot. Like they were not even a tournament team. I think they were they were something like, like eight and eight or nine and nine. They they were they were right around five hundred until they really turned it on in the second half of the season. They're one of those teams that you will see. Um, uh, Ken Palm likes because they're they're ranked I think in the top 30 in both offense and, and defense. So there's they're they're capable on on both ends of the floor. Um, yeah, like you said, Jalen Duran was was supposed to be um, a big star at the beginning of the year. It took him a little time to get going. Penny Hardaway there has, has done a good job. The one thing I'll add about Gonzaga that they do better this year than they've ever done is protect the rim so with Holmgren inside he's the, he's as good a shot blocker and, and has as good as hands and feet around the rim defensively as you're going to see right now in the tournament and I think um, against teams especially against teams that want to either want to stretch um, Gonzaga out or teams that really rely on getting to the hoop and have drought scoring he's going to make it very very difficult for teams like that. So Gonzaga doesn't give up a ton of defensive or offensive rebounds when uh, they're on defense either.
0: Yeah, I I agree there that that's they they clean things up um, and don't necessarily give teams second chances, which I, that's where. Both those teams, I think, have their faults. Was as good as Memphis came on at the end of the season. They don't necessarily shoot the ball consistently that well. And Boise, like I said, they have their own um, defensive issues. Um, but I mean Boise, they. They were the best team out of the Mountain West, which was very talented this year. They forced turnovers, but it's that they're just not that good of an offensive team. And then Gonzaga is
1: prone to turnovers. If you watch the Gonzaga San Francisco game in the uh, WCC tournament, San Francisco was, I mean, it was, Gonzaga was up 20. Most of the game, San Francisco started pressing them really heavy at about the 10 minute mark in the second half and got it all the way back down to six. And Gonzaga had a lot of problems and was turning the ball over, which you wouldn't think would happen against a, uh, Trapping pressing team when you have a seven foot guy who's as long as Holmgren is because you could just throw it to him in the middle of the court as long as he keeps the ball up nobody's going to touch it and he can kind of guide the the um, the ball where he needs to to send it but um, I mean your TV didn't lie like they they looked like they had a lot of problems with getting trapped and pressed and that's that comes down to their guard play they didn't have that last year with Suggs.
0: And, and they certainly had their same issues with the turnovers in their loss against Saint Mary's where Saint Mary's kind of turned them over and you could see the frustration in in all the players eyes on Gonzaga when they started to turn the ball over they were not used to having kind of getting the things pushed back at them as far as their, the adversity so but now that they've taken that loss um you know you wonder if Gonzaga is now ready for their run but I think, like most teams this year, all all of these teams have a glaring weakness. Whereas last year, Gonzaga looked like a juggernaut, and Baylor had um, you know four or five guys who could all kind of get up and get get baskets when needed, and were as as good of a shooting team as I think there's there's been in the NCAA for several years now. So, okay, we pick up in the five twelve game. We have UConn as the five. They were the three team out of the Big East. And we have the number 12 uh, New Mexico State Aggies um, out of the WAC, led by the WAC Player of the Year, Teddy Allen.
1: Yeah, so I took a look at this game, and um, there's a lot of 5-12 matchups where where people are inclined to pick the 12. This is not one of them for me. Now, I, I, um, I think Connecticut has, has been tested enough in the Big East. I'll let you talk about them more because you've seen them more this year. But just quick on New Mexico State, um, while they've had some good seasons in the past, uh, from, a, from an analytical and, a, and a, a statistical perspective, they're just not that great a team. Um, not a great offense, not a great defense. Doesn't add up really in the uh, postseason. So I like Connecticut in this one.
0: Yeah, Connecticut, and maybe you'll agree with me here, we've always preached that guards win in this tournament. Um, you need a you need a strong guard play to do anything and, obviously, to win it all. Um, whereas this year, I feel like you need to bring your big man with you. Um, and UConn has one of the best in the country, Adama Sanogo. Uh, Sanogo is a guy who just... When he is going, he is very, very tough to keep off the boards. Um, the stat that I came across today was when he's on the floor, they rebound at a 39% offensive boards when he's on the floor, which is an insane number. Um, so, yeah, Sanogo, I think, is just going to be a very tough player to stop, and he's a tough player. And they're going to be a tough out because of him. Uh, UConn also has a team shoots thirty nine percent from three, uh, and they have two guys who, I, personally, I think just seem to want uh, want the ball in a big spot. Um, Martin, a guy who had a big biggie semifinal game against Villanova, and R.J. Cole, a guy who brings a lot of toughness at the point guard position, um, and just a guy who really brings it on both ends. So th- this is this is a tough team. Um, in my eyes, UConn—they bring it defensively, like Danny Hurley's teams previously at Rhode Island—has carried over to UConn, and now he's got some offensive firepower with him, um, with not only Martin and Cole, um, but also Sonogo, who really just gets after it on the offensive end, um, and you know it can really invigorate a team when you have a guy who rebounds the ball that well and can get things not only in back-to-basket play, but a guy who gets putbacks as as often as he does yeah um, i'm with you there i
1: i think um i think they have this uh first round matchup in in hand
0: yeah yeah and and moving to the the I I think is really one of several 4-13 games that I have circled as upsets, not necessarily the 5-12s this year. We have the four, uh, Arkansas out of the SEC, and number 13, Vermont, uh, who comes in as one of the hottest teams in the country.
1: Yeah, so Arkansas has played great all season, um, and and they're very deserving of the four seed that they got. Um, Unfortunately, I think they got a really bad matchup. I love Vermont this year. I think they have every single... um, Piece of them tells me that they're going to be one of those teams that makes it to the Sweet 16 uh, this year as a, a small conference team. The way they played in their conference tournament was phenomenal. They've got um, they've got a, a very balanced squad. Uh, four guys who can shoot the three at uh, over 40%, um, including their best player, forward Ryan Davis. Uh, he's averaging 17.2 and six rebounds, um, shooting 42% from the from three. And 60% almost, 59% from from the field. Um, if they make a run this year, you'll hear a lot about Ryan Davis. He's played really, really well for them um, all year long. He's a senior. They just have the the experienced kind of squad that uh, I really expect them to make a run this year. So I'm actually going to pick Vermont to not only win this game but win the next one and get to the Sweet 16. Again, not a knock on Arkansas. Um, who also is not young you know that their best players are senior as well i'll let you get into them a little bit if you want, but um, yeah, I like Vermont in this game
0: yeah, one last thing on Vermont um, uh, when you have a team that shoots the ball so well from three point range they're a team that's kind of tough to keep out and to stomp them out of a game and if they have the lead they're also an incredibly free throw shooting team uh, something that you enlighten yes to. they have they have um, five
1: five guys or six guys who shoot it above 79 percent seventy eight percent
0: yeah, and on Arkansas, a good team in their own right, it took them a little while to get going this season. They have a guy who brings it on both ends of the floor and is um, one of the best guards, not only in the SEC, but in the country, in J.D. Note, um, Note, a guy who either starts it with his own defense and can get you going, or he can get a basket in a variety of ways on the offensive end. Um, if, if Arkansas makes a run, it's going to be because of Note. He is just a guy who they rely on so much. Um, and there's a little bit of a scoring drop off between him and the other guys. That's, um, I think, going uh, to the be guys their, guys their, like. their
1: Achilles heel because I think Vermont's going to be able to throw multiple matchups we, given the amount of time they have to prepare for this game. They're going to be able to throw the kitchen sink at, at Note. I mean, Note was was phenomenal. Like, the SEC was a really good conference this year, and he was, uh, you know, probably he's the number two player in the sec behind um uh Shwebe on uh kentucky
0: yeah and 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 if they wind up going against yukon you know hurley's gonna obviously bring the pressure on note as well um i think if they do anything in this tournament they're gonna either need their two guards stanley umari to get hot he's a guy who could kind of Shoot their ball at a high rate when he gets going, or um, their big man Jalen Williams, who's a ten and ten and nine guy, also kind of a decent passer if they get get the ball to him in the right spots. Um, and you got to remember, this is an Eric Musselman team. This is a team that's going to run from right from the get go. Um, but Arkansas, as we saw early in the season, they are prone to kind of boneheadedness and um, you know throwing balls away and, and not necessarily. You know being strong in their their own possession but um yeah i think this is certainly a matchup that is that that is really really tough one for them um in vermont yeah if vermont hits their threes i don't think arkansas is going to be able
1: to win this game and and again like you said the free throw shooting is important because if vermont gets a lead especially late in the game they're going to make their free throws and that's going to really be difficult to come back from
0: yeah um now moving down to the bottom half of the west Uh, We have the 6-11 game, uh, the 6-seed Alabama, and they'll play one of the 11 um, seeds, which is uh, the Wednesday night game, it looks like, um, between Rutgers and Notre Dame. Um, Rutgers, uh, uh, before I let you kind of get into these two teams a little bit, one of the more impressive things that they've done in, I think, college basketball history, as an unranked team, they beat... Michigan—they beat four ranked teams in a row: uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Illinois. They also have wins over Purdue and Iowa. What's the bugaboo for this Rutgers team and almost kept them out of the tournament is their bad losses. They had a loss against the Paul, definitely lost. I think they had a loss against an A-10 team in there as well. Um, Notre Dame, a team that I don't think anybody expected to do anything this year, um, and they wind up as the. Um, I think they finished number two in the ACC. Um, but, yeah, a team that can either start and lighten it up from three or a team that just looks extremely average. Yeah. Um,
1: so a so funny uh, aside, uh, a buddy of mine is a big Notre Dame fan, and he, he said, you know, when he, when he saw the matchup, said, uh, well, Rutgers plays really well against really good teams, but joke's on them because Notre Dame stinks. So we have a chance. (laughs) Um, So I think think this will be probably a pretty good game. I'm going to lean toward Rutgers just given the fact that they have a little bit more tournament experience after their run last year. They should have beaten Houston. I think we all remember that game. Um, Ron Harper Jr. is a pretty good player. Uh, You've seen uh, them probably a little bit more than I have this year. But I like Rutgers in this game, and I like either of these two teams to beat an Alabama team that I see a lot of holes in. Um, after watching them blow a 15-point lead to Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament.
0: I think as long as Rutgers um, can kind of get stops early in this game and prevent Notre Dame from getting hot from three to start, if, they, if it looks like Rutgers brings the defensive intensity that Steve Peichel teams have been known for um, and they can kind of get their own rhythm offensively, um, and kind of slow this game down a little bit, I think it's it's theirs for the taking in the end because, like you said, Ron Harper Jr., they also bring Geo Baker. Those are two guys who want the ball in their hands at the end of the game. Harper can score in a variety of different ways. And Geo Baker just kind of has the... Um, uh, he just kind of has that presence about making a big shot when necessary. Now, on the other side of it, not to overlook them, uh, is the six seed, Alabama. They already have a win against the Zags this season. But beyond that, there's certainly are not doing what I think a lot of people expected them to do um, after their run in the postseason last year um, with Quinterly and Shackelford. Um, the stat I'll throw to you is since Valentine's day, they've turned, they've had a turnover on one fourth of their possessions on the offensive end. Just, they do not value the basketball, um, which is kind of surprising when you consider the, I guess the name recognition. of Yeah. They're, they're
1: only going to go as far as their guards take them in the tournament. They are, they do have excellent backward play when they are, Playing well. When they're not playing well, they get they get really sloppy with it, and, and you see a lot of turnovers from from their guards. So in Alabama, um, <laughs> I think I think it could you know if Rutgers wins the game, maybe you maybe Alabama has a little bit better of a chance because Rutgers has some offensive issues. So it's you know it's just going to be a, kind of a little bit more of a slugfest. But Rutgers can play some pretty good D. Notre Dame, if they're making their shots, I think they beat Alabama. Um, But Alabama, could, you know, I I would say that this 11-6 game is probably going to be a toss-up no matter who plays Alabama. Um, And I don't really see um, Alabama getting past the nightmare matchup they have coming up after this one.
0: Yeah, Alabama, um, like you said, Rutgers has their offensive issues. Notre Dame a little bit better of an offensive team. Alabama at times can look very ugly on the offensive end um, when they're not shooting the three ball well. We have the three seed. We have Texas Tech. Uh, They go against the 14 in Montana State. Uh, Bill, kick it over to you.
1: So Texas Tech, um, no Chris Beard, uh, no defensive problems. I guess, for them this year. They're, they're, they're an excellent defensive team still. But um, we had mentioned earlier that the sort of um, teams that have, the, like in the Big Ten, that have kind of a, um, a really good offense and a really poor defense. Texas Tech is sort of the reverse of that problem. So I think that might limit them a little bit. Um, but, you know – I, I think that they're they're a pretty good bet to get to the Sweet Sixteen. I don't think Montana State's got enough to beat them. Defensively though, they're a very good team, and I and I think you know a little bit of tournament experience. They're Beard's guys still.
0: Um, I I think they'll be all right. And and one thing to remember, and I forget the name of the assistant coach, but the player specifically asked that his assistant get promoted to be the head coach. So obviously the guy who's there uh, kept Spears defense going and the players wanted him there to play for him. Uh, Montana state. The one thing that just stood out to me when I looked at them real quick was they make 37% from three point range. So, um, but I think Texas tech, obviously the number one uh, defensive team in the country. So I think they're going to make it tough on Montana state in every which way um and then and then i think in the next round you look
1: at uh alabama or if it ends up being uh notre dame or uh Rutgers, like like Rutgers doesn't need a good defensive team <laughs> to, to have a bad scoring yeah. night and it's like you combine the two of those like yeah, that, that might be like a cyo uh eighth seventh and eighth grade uh girls score
0: yeah as much as i i'm not that high on Texas Tech, I think they got a nice little pod there to to go to the Sweet Sixteen, just because they could turn over. Even even the sixth seed is Alabama, and we already spoke about their turnover issues. Yes, very prone. Uh, the pod below it, uh, we go to the seven seven uh, ten game. We have uh, Michigan State going against ten of uh, ten Davidson out of the eight ten.
1: Um, you know, Michigan State. It's obviously not the best. Um, kind of team that Izzo's put, put forth in, in a bunch of years. But um, strangely enough, from considering the the rest of the teams in the Big Ten can't play defense, Michigan State can actually play some defense. So Michigan State's the kind of team that um, that given the, the, the sort of pedigree and given Izzo, I think that they, even though p- people like Davidson quite a bit this year, I'm going to go um, with Michigan State in this game. Uh, I think I think they're good enough defensively, and I think Izzo's a good enough coach that um, it just wouldn't be right if there wasn't a Shishovsky Izzo matchup in Sheshevsky's last
0: tournament. And Michigan State, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, was the team that knocked out uh, Shishovsky's Zion-led team.
1: Yes, they were, so, and that that was a fantastic game.
0: So interesting, uh, possible matchup in in the round of 32. Uh, I actually so. Here's the thing with Davidson. They have um, they have uh, several really good shooters as a team. They're top uh, top ten team from three point range. Uh, Foster Lawyer is actually their, um, well one one a one b um, one of their two really good players and, and shooters. Um, he's a Michigan State transfer. Uh, scored more points in three. I think he had more threes this season than he had in three years at Michigan State. So. Um, whether they make a point of trying to stop him or not michigan state like you said they do play defense they do not they only have one player who averages over averages double digits so they don't really have the guy who you would normally expect to kind of carry their scoring a little bit um and then they have uh huin jung lee uh another guy who shoots over 40 percent from three to match with foster lawyer he actually did not play great in the a10 final um which is why they probably didn't win the a10 um but yeah, they're yeah. Uh, they're,
1: I was happy they got. I think they they were fully deserving of their bid. I was very happy they got. Oh,
0: hundred percent. Um, so they it's and actually San weird. Francisco, I, I think, are both
1: two very dangerous ten seats. So either one of these two teams, I think, we're both in agreement. Either one of these two teams could take out Duke.
0: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. It's actually weird. They're actually forty and forty-one in uh, Ken Palm respectively. Uh, Michigan State being the forty, uh, Davidson Ken Palm. Uh, 11 offense, uh, but they're outside the 150 on the defensive side. Uh, Michigan State a little more balanced, 38 offensively, uh, 53 on adjusted defense. So Michigan State, as much as
1: Michigan State can shoot the three, and, and
0: as much as they're having a down year, um, they are still a quality enough basketball team who has beaten quality teams as well. I will say this, though, and I've said in the past, Davidson, a team with tempo, they're actually in the, they're 308 on tempo. And if they slow this game down, and Michigan State's missing shots, there's less possessions for them to come back. Yeah. Um, so when when you see that much of a tempo gap, um, sometimes there it's where you start to see upsets. Not that a ten over a seven is a huge upset, but um, certainly it's something to look at if they're playing Duke and Davidson hit some shots early. There's just going to be some. There's probably going to be some less possessions for Duke to come back from. Um, and we can move right to the next game. Uh, so, two, uh, Duke against uh, 15, Cal State Fullerton. Um, Duke, I think all the talk about is obviously the the five guys in the starting lineup, uh, five projected lottery picks. At, uh, not lottery picks, first-round picks.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- th- from a talent perspective, no one's doubting it. Coach K is um – last year so I'm sure that there'll be some some questionable calls that uh, go the Blue Devils way not that there aren't always a decent amount of questionable calls that go the Blue Devils way um, but uh, if you look at um, kind of the way that this Duke team is made up um, after Paulo Bonchero um, there's a little bit of a drop in, in scoring but these, but you know Wendell Moore Trevor Keels you've, you know both guys who they're averaging 13 I think and 12 or 14 and 12 it's like they're capable on any given night of a 20 22 point game um this duke team's good they, they, i mean they, they you can't take that away from them i just think that they're they're beatable so uh, you know they, it it would not shock me if we saw duke and zaga in the elite eight but um it also wouldn't shock me if if one of the uh 710 teams davidson or uh michigan state was able to take duke out but in the first round, I don't think there's gonna be any issues. I'm expecting a thirty to forty point win.
0: Yeah, so actually just the one player I wanted to highlight on Fullerton is uh EJ Anisicki He was one of the top rebounders in the country when he was at Sacred Heart. uh, Averaged eleven point six rebounds a game when he was at Sacred Heart. Uh, He wound up at Tennessee last year. Didn't do a whole lot at Tennessee, and then I guess he's in his grad year now at um, at Fullerton, and he's there. I think he's averaging fifteen and nine, or right around there. Um, he's the guy to look for on Fullerton. Uh, Mark Williams, the big man from Duke. Yeah, it would be
1: an interesting matchup against Mark Williams. Great. Exactly,
0: and Williams is a guy I think that is needed for Duke uh, in order to go far. They need him to be on the floor protecting the rim. And they and personally, in when I've watched Duke, when they're at their best, it's when Mark Williams is involved uh, not only on the offensive glass but just catching lobs and, and scoring inside. He, he, they, yeah, they, uh, they, almost they, three they,
1: blocks a game from him, almost yeah. three blocks a game.
0: They need him on both ends in order to, to do something in this tournament, for sure. And there, and there's the Krzyzewski factor as well, um, is how much pressure is this team actually feeling, um, or do, have they kind of closed out the noise, per se?
1: I mean, you look at what happened in the to sort of end the regular season. They got blown out by North Carolina and uh, and lost to a Virginia Tech team. It's not, not a particularly great team. Um, so they really didn't play well down the stretch. Um, that's another thing I I think I, I have in the back of my mind as I'm looking at these brackets and a big reason I didn't pick Duke. So I, I, you know, beginning of the season they looked magnificent, but but sort of down the stretch they've they've looked young.
0: Yeah, and uh, there was at some point where Shosevsky had said, I forget what game it was after, but he was quoted as saying, "You're playing like a veteran team." And then of course shortly thereafter he was giving that awkward speech to um, at his final game at Cameron. Where yeah. he said to no no just let me talk or whatever he said there's like a four second clip of him which is just hilarious yeah uh, just kind of cranky old man um
1: yeah he's he's definitely hit the curmudgeon phase of uh of the old man part of his career
0: all right bill um just to kind of wrap things up here in the west let's do a little bit of a look ahead um i think we're pretty much on the same page that as much as you hate to say chalk it it does seem like it's gonzaga's region for the taking i did mention earlier i think there's teams that could challenge them um i think duke if they put it all together they can certainly challenge them um
1: they gonzaga earlier this season so yeah
0: but this is i in, in reality the more i look at it this is gonzaga's region for the taking they should be back for another final four appearance
1: yeah. That Memphis team is, is gonna be a nice test in the second round. I think Gonzaga's good enough that they'll they'll beat Memphis and I have, I'm pretty confident in it. But I think also Memphis is good enough that it will give Gonzaga enough of a good game that that, you know, any of those hiccups and any of that, that sort of those jitters will be gone. And then, like I said, I am I think Vermont, I, we, we've talked about it ad nauseum, but I really, you know, I, I'm a big fan of this Vermont team, and I think you're going to see a Vermont team in the Sweet 16. Um, unfortunately, is a pretty terrible matchup for a team like Vermont. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree, and and also there there's other potential upsets on the bottom side of the bracket with either Rutgers or Notre Dame going over uh, Alabama. Alabama, listen, just as capable as going on a run to the Elite Eight, also. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we like the eleven, and statistically, you know, history backs us up a little bit too, that where those those double-digit big conference seeds do have a tendency to not only win a round of thirty-two game, but also a sweet get into the sweets sweet 16 sometimes the elite eight and even the final four and then uh, I wouldn't
1: be surprised if you saw Rutgers Alabama or Texas Tech there and then Michigan Michigan State Davidson or Duke there I think there's six teams for those two spots so I think that'll be an interesting bottom half of this region
0: yeah and it could certainly wind up being with double digit seeds um, you know in the we're up gonna see the, it somewhere it, so why not in, here? in the sweet 16 yeah it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it's just a matter of <laughs> nailing the region that it takes place in so um but yeah any other closing words from here in the west region no adios from the west what do we All got right, coming yeah. up next uh i'll see you uh in the Southwest uh, on the piece of paper, but it's actually the East region.
1: Okay, I'll see you in NCAA, the NCAA.
0: Not not great with paying kids, and uh, not great with the way they put regions on the map. But I digress. <laughs> and I'll see you there, Bill.
1: All right, adios.